0: previously on the avatar returns i do this thing it's called breathing sometimes well not all the time, Don't sometimes. i don't like it i don't approve of it
1: so do i not get chemically castrated if i don't come back to the show because that sounds like a better off
2: i've i think i've managed to somehow mention buffy every single episode of this podcast it didn't take us long for aj to go full
1: nerd plot hole finder on us. <laughs> Why didn't they just use the eagles? Why didn't they just use
2: the eagles to get the, to get the ring of Mordor? <laughs> Could bat turkeys feasibly exist in the world of Avatar? Uh, and I will say, though there was sadly no hip hop related angle, um, I I do now I appreciate Zuko. Jal so he probably thinks this show is about him. Wow, um, you want? Can we? You want to have that joke edited out, AJ? You could probably ask for it.
0: <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Avatar Returns. I'm Paul.
2: I'm Eric. I'm AJ.
0: And each week we discuss a small handful of episodes of the Nickelodeon animated series Avatar: The Last Airbender and its sequel series, The Legend of Korra. Uh, this week, we'll be discussing Avatar Book 1, Chapters 15 through 17. That's Bato of the Water Tribe, The Deserter, and The Northern Air Temple. Eric and I have seen both of these series before, but this is AJ's first trip to the world of Avatar, which means there will be spoilers, but only up to this particular point that we're discussing tonight. So, before we start spoiling everybody at home, how have you guys been? This is a, There was another little bit of a vacation between episodes, so...
1: Yeah, I don't even know why. What was going on that we took this last week off?
0: <laughs> well, you were at Disney, and uh, although I don't know that, I don't think that's why we skipped, but I was in uh, the Smoky Mountains. Oh, I didn't know you, that's where you went. I, I was on a sabbatical. How'd to it the go? Uh, it was great. It was great. Um, I, you know, I, I love, obviously I love my wife, and to varying degrees, I love my wife's family, but I would like to take a vacation someday. <laughs> Without my in-laws, they're they they're are, wonderful. I assume avid
2: listeners of this show.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, this will be the first episode they listen to. No, they're they're fantastic. Um, but they just, <laughs> no, no, they're no. fantastic. Seriously, they're they're okay. Um, but no, it would just be you know, it's a timeshare in uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, um, which is you know, it's it's a fun little tourist trap of an area. That's where Dollywood is. Um, but it's also very scenic, and the timeshare that we've got is kind of—it's away from civilization. It's in the woods, and you know, we drive through the mountains. We go up to Cades Cove and look for bears. We saw some bears while we were there, and uh, it was very relaxing. But it would have been—it would have been nice to maybe have the place to ourselves once in a while. But what the hell? It was a week's vacation. What am I complaining about?
2: That's awesome. You, I'm glad. You, I'm... you people in your timeshares—you <laughs> disgust me. <laughs>
0: bougie as fuck yeah yeah <laughs> and um... uh, and eric you'll you'll be thrilled to know that um one of the treats in gatlinburg tennessee there are lots of places that sell and and, and brew moonshine and whiskey and like you can actually go in and take a a taste tour or whatever uh, we went in a couple of those places didn't touch a drop you didn't touch a drop? Nope. Didn't, didn't try a single thing.
1: That entire vacation was wasted on <laughs> I
0: knew, you. I knew you'd feel that way. I, knew
1: I you kind would feel of it. feel
2: that way too. Jesus. I can't,
0: I, I can't stand whiskey.
1: Do you have any idea how much drinking I have to do over the next week to, to pay the price for your <laughs> sins?
0: <laughs> uh, you are my, uh, you're my liver by proxy.
1: Yeah, it's actually okay, because I did a lot of drinking over the weekend. I was in Disney this last weekend. Uh, I went went on Thursday. And it was the wine and dine half marathon, which is um, a half marathon during the food and wine festival at Epcot. And there's obviously an awful lot of food and wine. And um, Aaron and I drank a lot beforehand. We drank a lot the night of the half marathon after we finished, which actually ended up not being a half marathon. They cut it down to seven miles because storms forced us to evacuate inside briefly um and then um i drank afterwards too so i did a fair amount of drinking. of
0: course you did i saw i saw your tweet like right r- as you were leaving or maybe right after you got there you were like why do i let e talk me into this and then your uh, immediately your next tweet was a uh, fucking glass of beer or something like that on the table and i and <laughs> i was like dumb shit that is why you let
2: e talk that, you into this that would be why yeah yes it, I, it was uh, it was a good trip I, I, I went to a, a one year old's birthday party over the weekend.
0: Woohoo!
1: Hey, no, you did some other stuff. You went to two extremely pretentious sounding movies at your <laughs> local theater.
2: I did. I saw a Russian and a Japanese silent film. Oh my over god. Over the weekend, uh, they were scored by area musicians. Uh, beforehand, there was a performance by a modern dance group. And while I was there, I bought some vinyl records. So. All of these stereotypes that you could think of me, all I, I, I shot them all down or I can, I, in, in, in the way that I confirmed each and every one of them Yep, as yeah. if they were targets.
0: You, you lived the most A.J. Wiley week of anyone. This weekend
2: at oh. uh, my local art house, <laughs> I will be attending a brunch. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a best picture brunch, brunch. They're showing how green was my valley, which I've never seen. Um, and it's being catered by a local uh, uh, catering company, and like like bacon, crostinis, and shit. I, yeah, so I'm, I'm eating brunch at the local art house this weekend, so that is my existence.
1: Good lord. Amazing, amazing. So I have to, I have to share something with you all. Um, so uh, I forgot last week that we weren't doing it last week, so I watched all the episodes, <laughs> and I ran up. After Arrow, as I do every week now, run up after Arrow to hop on the podcast, and I plug my headphones in, and I got my (laughs) microphone ready, and I saw neither of you were there, and I had half-typed out a message to you, Paul, saying, where the hell are you, when I suddenly was like, wait, are we actually recording today? And I went and looked at the schedule, and we were not.
0: (laughs) Oh, you should have just done it without us. It could have just just been you.
1: just me. What everyone wants to hear is me... (laughs) drunkenly babbling about <laughs> Avatar episodes on my own. Uh, so anyways, I, I, I watched the episodes a week ago, I guess is the moral of the story. That
0: oh, I, oh I, see, You didn't I... rewatch them for tonight.
2: Oh yeah. That's exactly the kind of thing that I would do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I remember that we were not doing it last week. I kept forgetting that we were doing it this week. It is honestly kind of a miracle that I remembered to watch the episodes. <laughs>
0: I'm so, so I'm so glad that, uh, that I busted my ass to make that show calendar that we could all look at.
2: No, no, no. Paul, that show
1: calendar came in so handy. It kept me from sending an embarrassing message to you. Okay, all right. Asking what was going on. Because as soon as I was halfway through, I was like, hold on. Let's go look at that calendar that Paul put together. And that calendar. All right. kept, kept well, see, okay. so, so, it wor-
0: so it worked out for you. But I would have appreciated getting an embarrassing email from you. <laughs> so it didn't work out so well for me. But Anyways. All right, that's enough. That's enough of this getting to know you chit chat. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, so this week, three episodes. This uh, this is a light week. We only did three
2: episodes this week, so we I don't should, know what
0: to do with myself. I, I know it, it's it's going to be a short the, one.
2: The the extra twenty minutes that I saved during my week. Wow, <laughs>
0: amazing. Imagine imagine it, all the vinyl. <laughs> you could buy
2: in 20 minutes <laughs> well, i really did think about buying the uh, vinyl soundtrack to polanski's knife in the water but i refrained <laughs> okay you are off the show <laughs> we are done with you now. yes um Sweet. all
0: right well uh as always uh aj you are the resident newbie so uh, let's start with you how what are your feelings this week how'd you feel
2: so it is entirely possible because Again, I last week I was good. I knew we weren't doing anything. I was it was nice. <laughs> this this week I kept forgetting we were doing it, so I I kept forgetting to watch them. I did watch them. It might be because of that. I'm not sure, but I had a bit of a tougher time with with this batch of episodes after last week's. Uh, had there were two amazing episodes last week, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't think any of these episodes were bad. In fact, I thought. Aspects of them were very good, but it was a little harder for me to get into this week's episodes. In particular, the the first one, uh, Bato of the Water Tribe, I wasn't that into.
0: Okay, Eric, what about you?
1: Yeah, no, that I I really struggled with Bato of the Water Tribe. It was it it felt like contrived, um, like character conflict, and I it made me a little worried that I remember every time I'm like, are we into the middle middle of the season? Slump and I got really nervous. That's where we were um, and I ended up liking the other two episodes a lot more mm-hmm. so it wasn't an issue but Bato the water tribe. I definitely had to, to crawl through
0: a little bit interesting. Um, I I'm not sure if it's difficult for me to put any one of these three episodes above the others like I'm not none of these episodes were bad in my estimation, but I don't I didn't particularly. I'm not super excited about any of these three. This, this there turned out
2: the podcast is over. Yeah, Great exactly. Job, so uh,
0: it turns <laughs> out uh, this is one of those kind of uh, uh, not a wasted week or whatever, but when, when breaking up the episodes uh, on the schedule next week is, is the, the book one finale. And uh, there are certain episodes that have to go together for that. And that kind of left these three episodes sitting here by themselves for us to discuss
1: you know it i mean i i agree with you paul none of these were particularly good and i would say this is probably the weakest batch of episodes we've gotten one of the episodes has a pretty fantastic scene which is the middle one and i kind of like yeah. the middle one the best i think uh, right. overall but it definitely has one great scene in it and um then the northern River temple was was had some interesting stuff in it even though it was not like a top tier episode and i think that any one of the deserter or the Northern air temple in a mix of great episodes would have read as a fun palate cleanser, yeah. but probably all paired with each other kind of came off as like nothing really happening for three episodes.
0: Yeah. So we've got, uh, three episodes where not a lot happened. Let's see how we can possibly stretch this (laughs) into a, a decent sized podcast. Um,
1: well, I I think, I think that Bato of the water tribe, it, it's probably worth talking a little bit about, um, it does get into Sokka and um Katara's backstory a little
0: bit. Yes. Which I I guess it's worth worth it for that. I mean, that is the thing that I enjoyed about uh Bato of the Water Tribe is we first of all, we get even more examples of Sokka uh being competent, which it feels like I say this more often than not. So maybe I'm exaggerating it, but you know, Sokka is so often the comic relief. He's, he's the, he's the Xander of the group, as AJ has pointed out many times. Um, and so I always love it when we get even a glimpse of Sokka actually being competent at something. And in this episode we got, you know, we see that he, he knows how to track, he can read signs. He, he, once again, he's good at coming up with plans, um, So, I mean, I I always enjoy that. And then, yeah, we do. We've been a little short on glimpses of Water Tribe culture up to this point. I mean, except for what we saw in the first two episodes of the series, we really don't know an awful lot about what it's like uh, to be in the Water Tribe. And so here we get some flashbacks to Sokka and Katara's childhood, and we get a little bit of the Water Tribe culture. We get to spend some time with an adult from the water tribe. Um,
2: I liked all of that stuff. Like that was all good. All of the, like the, the world building, the, the, the mythology building stuff that was all strong. I think what Eric said was right though. This, that episode did really feel contrived. Hmm. Like it felt like the most manufactured, uh, Like intergroup drama with uh, Aang, you know, not delivering the map and feeling left out. And it just felt really like I I was not invested in that plot for a second because it didn't feel like something that actually would have happened. Mm -hmm. It felt completely contrived, contrived is the word for it.
1: I mean, I think that, you know, 10 episodes ago, this plot might have worked. Yeah. Before they all started to bond, but it definitely did not feel plausible. What's interesting about this episode and actually all three of these episodes – well, I I think about the first and the third most especially. I've been talking about not really remembering a lot of these episodes Uh um, and not really having anything. I'm now getting into like things that I remember. While I didn't remember this episode all that much, I totally remembered the weird anteater
0: thing (laughs) that –
2: that track. That totally stuck.
0: The sheer shoe? Yeah. Yeah.
2: By the way, again, I'm not Googling these names but I am trying to spell them in my notes. Let me know how close I was. Okay. Because I feel like this one, I may be closer than, for example, Monkey Yahtzee. (laughs) Um, S-H-I-R-S-H-U. You nailed it. Seriously? Perfect. You nailed it. Right on, man. Good job.
0: (laughs) You can walk away a happy man. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I love the sheer shoe. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why I think that's such a cool creature, but it was so animated. I mean, obviously, yeah. an I made it serious, but <laughs> yeah, I think but, all of this is animated,
2: Paul. Uh, yeah. oh, Great uh-huh. observation.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, but I love that creature.
1: You know, it has it has that cool, like I mean, like I, I'm I'm a sucker for weird animal vision, so it's like scent vision. Yeah, yeah, it's amusing to me.
0: Yeah,
1: and and I and I, there was one other good scene in this episode, which was the um, the boating scene, which I thought was actually probably the the highlight of the episode when they when Saka is sort of captaining them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Through the rocks, and and that, that kind of goes back to what you were saying with him being competent. Like I, he's like legitimately good yeah. in that scene. It's kind of exciting, so I actually like that sequence. Uh,
0: see, there's another scene that I would hold up. I like that scene too, but there's another scene that I hold up. Um, uh, it's I don't think it ranks among the best uh, like fight choreography of the entire of the entire series. But the fight between Aang and Zuko at the end, um, I did enjoy bits of that for mostly because um ang uh is doing more than just evading now like yeah. now he's not just trying to avoid zuko he's actually fighting back and and he presses the advantage a couple times um and i particularly liked just the the fighting on the rim of the well and how that all played out i thought that was fun
2: yeah no. So I have a question to ask you guys, because I'm not sure if this was just me, because it had been a couple weeks since we'd watched uh, the show, um, and I wasn't super into this episode. But I made a note of this. Is it just me, or does this, is, is this one of the episodes that suffers from, some, from not super high-quality animation? There were moments in this episode that kind of took me out of things a little bit, that seemed especially cheap.
0: Yeah, there were, I mean, there were a couple glitches. I haven't really been tracking this as well. When I was first kind of putting this show together, I considered the possibility of every episode we would discuss the animation house that did it because there's like three or four different animation studios that handle the episodes as the series goes on. And it might be interesting for people more competent than us to track, you know, which animation studio handles the the chapters that are better than others. Um, Let me look at this really quick and just see. Uh, This was uh, the animation studio listed for this one is DR Movie. So I don't know. (laughs) We can track that in the future. If we come to another poorly animated one, we can look back and see if it's the same studio.
2: DR Movie?
0: DR Movie (laughs) is the name of the animation studio, yeah.
2: That does not sound legit.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's the problem. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, there there were a couple times where... The animation was a little weaker than maybe we've gotten, we've come to expect. But
2: um, there is one other thing I really liked about this episode, though—the fact that Katara uh, gets her necklace back.
0: Yes, I was going to say that uh, the necklace I've been unable to keep track of, despite having watched this series multiple times, <laughs> it finally comes back. I knew it came back at some point.
2: Well, well, Zuko had it. Zuko found it.
0: Yeah, I know he had it, but the, for some reason, remember, I thought that she had gotten it back in Oh right right right. I, I think it was the water bending scroll cuz he showed it to her there and I was like, and she got her necklace back and then the next episode I was like, oh no, never she didn't, never mind. But now she does. For real this time. She got her necklace back. For those of you that were worried at home, it happened.
2: Honestly, that <laughs> I think maybe that says it all about this episode. The most notable thing about the episode <laughs> is that Katara gets her necklace back.
0: <laughs> well, um I, I mean Again, without without getting into spoilers, I will say that some other th- some other things this episode accomplishes is it does it continues to track the geographic prog- progression of the characters. The weather is getting gradually colder. Um, they've now caught up with. In the previously on, it mentions it reminds us that you know the the men of the water tribe left two years ago, and now they're catching up with. Um, with members of the, uh, you know, with the warriors as they go. And, and he said, Abato Bato says that, uh, you know, the rest of the tribe or their father and the rest of the tribe should be in, uh, Eastern, the Eastern earth kingdom by now. So I don't know. There's just, if, if anyone other than me is paying attention, it, it does feel like they're actually sort of mapping progress in this world. As we move through the episodes, I don't pay attention to any of this. Yeah. I didn't think so. And then, um, um, um I, I, I think a significant thing is the fact that Bato, uh, Eric, did you recognize the voice?
1: I, I think I probably did, but I, now it's been a week. So I'm, I'm
0: blanking. Who was the voice? It's, um, Richard McGonigal. No, okay. I didn't didn't pick this up. No. Who does. I mean, he he's, he's a voice actor. He does all kinds of voices, but I know him as an Eric. You should know him as Sully from the uncharted series. Oh, he was Sully. Yeah. And All it's right. and it's weird because uh, Pam was watching this episode with me, and she was like, "Who is that? Do we know that voice?" And I was like, I-, "I think we do, but I'm not sure." And so she she actually recognized Sully's voice before I did. I'm ashamed to say. But awesome,
2: awesome. Uh, so you can decide if this if this is information I should not know, like if, if this is a spoiler. Okay, I I don't think so, but um does the uh girl with the sheer shoe i, I didn't catch her name Does she come back uh yes
0: her yeah her name is june and uh, i don't know if they ever s- oh they did say that
2: i yeah they at
0: one point they say it because iroh shouts her name at the end when she gets tongued by the sheer shoe <laughs> um Ooh. yeah her name is june phrasing uh, no i knew what i meant i
1: knew what i was saying uh <laughs> T- tongued by the sheer shoe tongued? sounds like one of those um <laughs> like dinosaur romance novels
0: that were coming. <laughs> <by>. <laughs> oh jeez. Um
2: but not Iroh I, I, I I like...
0: seems to have a have a thing for women with whips too. Just putting that out there.
2: Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um I, I uh <laughs> me and him both. Um I liked uh I, I liked June. I liked her. Yeah. So. She's she's not a major character, but we will see her
0: again at some point. Cool. I think I think we see Bato again too. Maybe. I'm not uh, I'm not hundred percent on that, but I, I feel like maybe we see him again.
2: <sighs> Anyways. Guys, I wonder if they came up with Bato's name because he's uh, a water bender and like water Bato, like what, like water bottle. <laughs> I think that was it. Water
0: bottle. He's not actually a water though. How, how heavily are you editing? this? <laughs> <laughs> you more and more with each episode. It's gold. <laughs> I'm, I'm under, I'm, I'm, I'm unappreciated in my time. In any time, actually. All right. So, uh, moving on to the next one, which I think we all unanimous, unanimously agree is the best of these three. Uh, the yeah. de- the deserter. Um, so, so I real I want to say I realized something watching this episode
1: that I did not realize until now, God. which is that Commander Zhao is voiced by Jason Isaacs.
0: Holy cow! And really? who is
1: the who is the Inquisitor in? the in Star Wars Rebels was that so he is the obnoxious bad guy in two completely separate series is that for real uh, holy it's
0: totally oh my Jason Island. it is
1: so uh, so you didn't even know that I, I, I thought I was I got up Paul Paul you're gonna be <laughs> like well yeah in fact I thought Paul I thought you were gonna say yeah I talked about that in the first, ep- in the first episode. <laughs> I the it. I,
2: yeah I didn't know that he he was uh I, I know him as uh, Lucius Malfoy from the Harry Potter series my goodness it, Jason Isaacs is pretty fantastic, and he's – I'm I'm wondering if the reason he
1: got – actually, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, Dave Filoni directed episodes of Avatar, mm-hmm. and Dave Filoni's in charge of Rebels. So I imagine that he was probably pretty happy to get Jason Isaacs back to be a bad guy for him, even though he was the worst bad guy of all time in <laughs> Avatar.
0: <laughs> you So th- your appreciation for Zhao has not grown, even with this episode, even with uh... – uh, the deserter. No, okay. I,
1: I, it. The best episode of this, of the like, sorry. The best scene of these three episodes was Aang versus Zhao, which right. was a legitimately fantastic scene. It made me appreciate how useless. Zhao is.
2: Mean. <laughs> he does. He he burns his own ships. Yeah. What a fucking moron.
0: Yeah, he's pretty. He's he's pretty useless. Um, just because AJ and I were talking about Star Wars before uh, before this whole thing started, uh, did anybody else catch the? It's very very vague. I'm probably imagining it. But did anybody else get a Star Wars vibe from that fight? The the Ang and Zhao fight. It starts with uh, with the master Zhang Zhang. Um, he allows himself to be quote-unquote killed by quote-unquote Vader while quote-unquote Luke watches.
1: I had totally not picked that up.
0: I mean, oh. it, do- the re- it, it doesn't play out the way Star Wars does, obviously, because Aang doesn't scream, no, Zhang, Zhang. I mean, he doesn't lose his mind. It doesn't spur Aang into action. But just that beat, the way that played out right there, I was like, oh, that was very, that was very you know, Vader kills Obi-Wan.
2: Well, since you're since you
0: since you're on that moment,
1: I should note that Zhang Zhang's voice is the voice actor of Commander Sato oh. on Star Wars
2: Rebels as well.
0: Oh my gosh! Wow. wow. <clears throat>
2: um, I, I'm what I'm picking up on is I should watch Star Wars Rebels. You should watch yeah. Clone Wars, but
0: yes, you should yeah, watch Rebels.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, um, all, all, yes, you should watch some Clone Wars, but you should. But Rebels
1: is also very good, mm-hmm. and you will get to watch many voice actors from Avatar play other characters.
2: Very nice. Dave Filoni uh, apparently
1: just scraped everyone off.
2: The uh, the I definitely pick up on the Star Wars vibe now that you mention it, Paul. But what that fight reminded me of at the time was I got a definite uh, Spider-Man vibe uh, from the from how Aang was completely taking the piss uh, throughout that entire yes he was uh, fight. That- at one point, he literally shakes his butt at. At uh, Zhao while saying, ahoy, I'm Admiral Zhao. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. That was a totally Peter Parker way of winning that battle. It was. It absolutely
1: was. (laughs) Overall, I feel like it was a good episode. I I liked liked getting to see the Fire Nation. I liked all of the, um, like, I liked the idea. This is actually an episode where the conflict did not feel contrived with Aang going to full force into the firebending and burning Katara. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I thought all of that stuff was like really well played and, and, it, and it gave a really good I think at some point someone needed to answer the question of why is ang not going to learn firebending right away? Because boy does that seem badass something needed to answer that question and this does a pretty good job
0: There we actually get we actually get a lot of answers. There's a lot of stuff uh, a lot of blanks that are kind of filled in in this episode um, because we get uh, Zhang Zhang's name just sounds funny to say <laughs> I, I'm sorry the deserter we uh, we get several uh, descriptions from him of what it, exactly it's like to try and master fire, to be a fire bender. Um, and uh, for one thing, it kind of, it, it, it further humanizes Zuko a little bit because it explains to us, it puts a, a fine point on the fact that trying to wield fire, trying to be a fire bender um, is dangerous. Uh, and, uh, you know it requires a lot of sacrifice from its from its disciples um it also uh it points to the notion that uh, the different bending styles they each have their own sort of uh strengths and require and uh, and balances and um what was it uh, it, it also kind of explains the whole idea behind the, the Avatar cycle, the fact that it goes, you know, air, water, earth, fire, um, because at one point uh, the des- the deserter is talking about how, um, you know, I can't teach you fire because you haven't mastered um, water and earth first. And then he, he explains about how, you know, water is, is uh, soft and flowing, earth is uh, rigid and firm and uh, he basically implies that you kind of need to work through these steps before you're even able to master fire except that he's kind of full of crap though right well he is full of crap because he only does fire but
1: no but also like if you are if the next avatar who would be water at that point isn't going to learn air before they do fire and then next so like you only you're only going in this order and learning everything before fire because you're an airbender. That's the only one that learns everything else.
0: Right. It would it would be nice if we could figure out a way to make it a circle to say how, you know, being the avatar, uh even if you start as a firebender, uh that prepares you in some way for the things that you're going to do as an airbender next and so on and so forth, but anyways, I don't know. It just it, it introduces the concept that maybe each one of these styles um has some sort of connection to the one that follows it.
1: Yes.
2: I and I do like that. I think just think Zhang Jong's full of crap and you don't know what <laughs> Zhang Zhang says. He, I did like his whole speech about destiny though. Like if a if a fish lives its whole life in this river, does he know the river's destiny? Mm-hmm. I liked all that stuff.
0: I mean it uh I, I liked it too. It came off as a little pompous, but that's fine.
2: Of he, course. I he, mean it's and its in and its undercoat and un, undercoat. It's undercut by by ang being like okay
0: yeah (laughs) yeah you know it's ang is so fascinating because he was raised uh you know as an air nomad which we've mentioned before has clear parallels to like you know buddhist or tibetan monks uh which seems like a very disciplined meditative lifestyle but he's also a 12 year old boy who all he wants to do is you know have a good time and and ride animals so when who doesn't
2: want to ride animals? Yeah.
0: So when uh, you know,
2: tongued by the shoe.: Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Anyways, uh, oh, this also answered a question that uh, Eric, you and I were asking. I cannot remember the episode title. All of a sudden, but when they were um, when they were at the fire temple, uh, when we first found out about Sozin's comet uh, and Roku sort of manifested to to chase away all those um, the fire. Yeah, Um, sages. That's what they were called. And we and I was like, I can't remember if, if anything like this ever happens again. Well, it kind of does, because here Roku appears. Yeah, uh, to Zhang Zhang in order to, I, I still don't understand the mechanics
1: of this, because I feel like this is not a consistent thing in the show. Yeah, and I don't understand this. I mean, I. I know, I know for a fact nothing like this happens in Korra. Okay, I'm going to say that, and we're going to get to an episode of Korra, and I'm <laughs> going to be wrong. But I feel pretty confident that none of this happens in Korra, and I don't remember any of this through the last two seasons of Avatar. So we'll just have to see, but it, I find this very confusing, and I wonder if it's one of those like powers that they were like, I don't really know how to make sense of this, so let's just stop.
0: Yeah, I, I do kind of feel like maybe it just – they let it go.
2: <laughs> I like the idea of it. Yeah. And when Roku appears to Zhang Zhang, I just want to point out there's a a, a burning tree mm-hmm. uh, that appears in the background. Mm-hmm. That that reminded me of the, of the the burning bush. Right. I don't know if there's any sort of symbolism in that scene that maybe I don't know about because I haven't seen further. No,
1: no one asked for your religious nonsense.
2: <laughs> all right, fine, fine, sure. They throw in a visual of a burning tree. It means nothing. Sure, fine. That's, that's all right. <laughs>
0: Um let's see. Uh what else have we got here? Oh you, you you already mentioned the fact that at one point Aang uh is literally playing with fire and ends up uh painfully burning Katara. Yeah. I feel like that was kind of uh the the fulfillment of uh not a prophecy, but it was kind of like so in the second episode when Aang very first confronts Zuko uh, at at the Water Tribe, at the at Sokka's village, and uh, Zuko like hurls fire at him, and Aang just looks back and sees how it's terrifying the villagers, and and realizes that people could get caught in the crossfire here, and so he chooses to surrender instead of fight. I feel like th- th- it's probably not intentional, but this just kind of feels like the book into that.
2: Yeah, like, I, I agree with is, that. He has now gotten too caught up in it himself.
0: Yeah, just that uh, you know, Zuko seemed to be um, you know carelessly just throwing fire all over the place, and and bystanders were going to get burned, and so Ang didn't want that to happen. And here he actually does that. Wow. Uh, deep, I know. I'm reading. I'm reading, I'm reading <laughs> no, too much no, into no, it. perhaps. Let's talk more actually, about
2: the burning tree. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I
1: totally agree with you, Paul. I think I think it plays into sort of this thematic idea of I mean like, you know, we're we're meant to be afraid of fire of the Fire Nation in this. And one of the things I like about this episode is that it hammers home the idea of the destructiveness of fire, regardless of whose hands it can be in. That it's a it's a an element that is very easy to turn into something that is destructive to everyone around them. Mm-hmm. And I think that it gives a lot of thematic weight to what is going on in this world without it being that fire is evil.
2: And yeah. that's
1: not, and then the fire nation being evil because they're firebenders. It's just that fire is a very difficult thing to master and that mastering it, in it is such as like Zhao mastered it. Zhao has mastered it just well enough to be a danger to anyone in his way, including himself. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's scary about, the fire nation kind of running rampant. And anyway, so I I do like that. it kind of gives some weight to that by ang screwing up too. Is, uh,
0: is this the episode? I can't remember if this is the one where we get the speech about, um, Oh yeah, here it is. Uh, let's see. Uh, before, before learning firebending, you must learn water and earth. Water is cool and soothing. Earth is steady and stable, but fire fire is alive. It breathes. It grows without a, uh, without a bender, a rock will not throw itself, but fire will spread and destroy everything in its path if one does not have the will to control it.
2: That was pretty good. Yeah. That was good. Uh, hey, speaking of Katara getting burned, let's not gloss over the fact that we learned about Katara's healing factor? <laughs> yeah! Her her inherent Wolverine-ness?
0: <laughs> well, it's not, not quite that, but sure. Now we're going to call Katara the Wolverine of the group. Great. Basically, if she gets burnt to a cinder,
2: she grows back, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what happens. That's what happens. She
0: can be reduced down to a single cell, and she'll she'll grow back. There you go. There you yeah. go. Um, no, I, I uh, at first I was going to say that you know this kind of puts Katara's role in the group in a in a different light, but that, that's not really true. I think it just kind of enhances. It, it sort of makes sense with the role that she's even though she's the younger sister. That was another thing I liked about the last episode, um, that uh, Bato of the Water Tribe, that we were reminded, because I feel like we forget this sometimes, we were reminded that um, Sokka is actually the older brother. And that ca- is
2: very true, because it often seems like Katara is the older sibling.
0: Yeah, because she's the the mother of the group. So right. you, just, you assume that she's the older and more responsible. But um, anyways yeah the the whole sort of uh mother spirit aspect of katara i think it makes sense that she's one of the so we're told that some waterbenders this is something that some waterbenders can do not all waterbenders and she's apparently one of the one of the magical ones that can that can use water to heal this was something that i i was waiting for the series to drop
1: because i you know uh, katara being able to do this is obviously a big part of the series going forward and I couldn't remember when it hit, and I almost spoiled that she could heal with water. In fact, I worry that I did in the previous episodes talking to AJ. So, AJ, if I did spoil that, I'm really sorry. But I, I didn't realize you, it was a reveal. you
2: didn't. Uh, do you remember what you said? Because I didn't pick up on that at all. Yeah, I don't remember. No, yeah. I'm, I don't. I don't know if I said anything. It was just I suddenly had a
1: worry that like, oh, this is kind of a reveal. I hope I didn't. <laughs> I hope I didn't screw it up.
2: Yeah, I don't know. So, nope, I, I didn't notice anything.
0: I don't remember right. that. Um, what else? I like the fact that this episode sort of, uh, it hangs on the fact that, <clears throat> that Ang is really feeling the pressure, um, to, to train. Like he, he's really struggling with the fact that he has, you know, three, three months or however long it is, I guess, six months to, to train in all these disciplines. And so he's just grasping at any opportunity he can find to train.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's
2: basically like the most useless hero possible right now, so... <laughs> ouch, ouch. Hey, I was glad they remembered they had a bison whistle this time.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right, you complained about that before.
2: I did, I yeah. did. Well, so. You're
0: one of those
1: fanboys who, as soon as anyone introduces anything into a series, you're angry if they don't use it in every single case where they could use it. You're, you're the one who like watches, like, Winter Soldier and... Um, Iron Man 3, and they're like, why didn't Avengers show up for
2: this movie? <laughs> I, no, that is not the same <laughs> thing, Eric. Because last week, when they had, when they, when the Oppo was needed, would have made the entire, it would have destroyed the premise of the episode, but it would have made things much easier. Oh, <laughs> well, remember they had a freaking bison, which they had to walk through the valley of death. Well,
1: I mean, the bison whistle doesn't have, like, a, like, a, Thousand mile range. He flew the people. Oh, all now weird. we're talking about the range of the
2: bison whistle. That's man. true.
0: That good point, Eric. Good point. That's a nice. Uh, that's a nice fan wank
2: out of this. There See, go. Yeah. was
0: out of range of the the bison whistle. So
1: no
0: one, Wait, no I'll... one, no one out fan wank AJ. I want you to know that. <laughs> um, hey, did uh, I? I assume you're both smart people. I assume you both caught the wanted poster for the Blue Spirit. No, I missed that.
2: I miss that as well.
0: Okay. I'm glad I prefaced that by saying you're both smart <laughs> people. I'm glad I could set you up for failure like that. That's what I, <laughs> I I strive for that. Uh yeah, early in the episode when they're when they find um uh well, they they find Ang's wanted poster, one of the other posters that is, that's on the post right there is uh for the blue spirit.
1: Nice. Nice. Oh before we let this episode go, I just have to say fire flakes. That was yes.
2: Nice. yes. So, <laughs> Flaming yeah. fire flakes. Yeah.
0: Oh, they're um, hot, huh? Wow. Big surprise.
2: <laughs> um, the last thing I, I would mention is that uh, I believe this is our... So we, we talked a bit last week about how we see Fire Lord Ozai in shadow. Last week we heard his voice uh, by Mark Hamill for the first time. Um, this week I think we get our first uh, real glimpse at Ozai in the form of a Punch and Judy style puppet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that's, wow. That, feels, that feels monumental to me. <laughs> I'm going to look back on this episode and be like, oh, that was the one where it all came together. Wow. You blew my mind, AJ. Good,
0: good catch. Good catch, man. Um, Last thing I want to say on this episode, because it ties into the previous one, these two episodes, um, they both feel like, I don't know. The end of each episode kind of, seems to let ang off the hook just a little bit too easy for because in both episodes ang does something problematic particularly in the last one in bottom of the water hashtag problematic exactly um and they're you know they're really upset with him in in that last episode and granted it does show us how uh, you know they leave him and then they decide on their own no no we You know, we can't leave him behind. We're a team. We have to go back and help him. But still, the end of that episode really felt like it was just wrapped up way too neatly. And I understand it's a 22-minute episode. Some things end up feeling rushed. But then this episode follows right on the heels of that. And no long-term damage done. I mean, turns out Katara's a magical healer, so her hands aren't burned. But still, Aang seriously injured Katara. And basically, they just shrug it off and fly off into the sunset at the end.
2: I mean, they, they're pretty hard on him. I think during the, during the episode. And and I think a, a difference maybe is that it's not that one, obviously he didn't do anything intentionally, but two, I don't feel like he got so out of control that it was like, he got enough out of control that he burned Katara. But even, even if she didn't have magical healing factors, I, I don't know. I feel like it, it wouldn't have killed her. No. Do you see her hands? It wouldn't have killed her, but holy crap, well, okay. man! You're right. You're right. You're right. It right. was it was elbows the, from elbows all
1: the way to the hands is what what was burned on her.
0: Was it that bad? It was well, it. I don't know. It was her hands. I you know I'll tell you what I expected when I first watched the show. The first time I saw that before they revealed that she could use water to heal herself, I was like, "Is this going to mess up her water bending?" Um,
1: and yeah, that would have been an interesting tack. I I'm glad it didn't go that way because it would have been highly
2: boring, but
0: I know she hasn't really gotten very far with her waterbending yet. So it would have been an odd time to do that, but that was a thought that crossed my mind.
2: Hey, quick question about, uh, Bato that I forgot to ask then. Um, was she waterbending the perfume at the end? Is that what was yeah, happening? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Beast, huh? That was, that was, <laughs> that was monster.
0: <laughs> you know what? I, I, uh, uh, since we 're talking about the the perfume waterfall that happened um I, I felt really bad for the sheer shoe because that that animal was i it was played off as a you know a drama- you know a climactic successful moment and maybe a little bit for laughs but just imagine if that animal's only sense is hyper smell and all of a sudden it is just drowned in this caustic perfume like it showed the that all he could see was flashing colors and everything but that's you know he's running around and he's like running into things and he's scratching at his nose trying to get it off i was like oh man that poor that poor innocent animal
2: the also poor innocent
0: animal that's been trying to tongue people to death <laughs>
2: for the last ten minutes. Well,
0: he, he just likes people. Is
2: another weird Paul perspective thing where, like, the Martian is actually the story of, like, four little potato plants? It
0: is. It, that's exactly okay. what it is.
2: sure.
0: There's also the fact that that animal never did anything and except when June would crack her whip. Like Okay, well, that's fair. Like, uh, uh, we didn't even mention the cool moment when, uh, you know, the, the sheer shoe gets the drop on Aang and or whoever it was and all of a sudden is just blindsided by appa and sent crashing through a wall and you know your first reaction is fuck yes appa appa um and then you look over and it's just lying there like it doesn't move for a couple minutes and when it finally gets up it only gets up because june like snaps her whip at it and it's like look, oh, okay
2: look, look there there are, there are a lot of things i do if june snapped her whip at me so well wow. I, I understand
0: you, you and iroh i know Wow. Anyways, enough of this Let's move on to The third episode This is what
1: these three episodes have driven us
2: to, by the way <laughs> By the way, I just objectified A female cartoon character And if you're, if you're wondering at home, I don't feel good about that fact So let's move <laughs> on These episodes were now worth it <laughs>
0: um, So, uh, interesting to point out That um, the next episode We're talking about the Northern Air Temple Directed by Dave Filoni
1: and, and it shows in, I think, the direction though this episode is a little slight on the whole. Mm-hmm. It does have some pretty awesome sequences.
0: Uh, there, there is good stuff in it, but I, I would venture to say this is probably, of the Dave Filoni episodes in this series, this is probably the low point.
2: You know, you guys speak of him with such reverence that even though I don't know anything about Dave Filoni, when I hear or see that he's the one directing an episode, I'm like, oh, it's a Dave Filoni episode. Even though that should mean nothing to me.
0: <laughs> just Google a picture of him. Just find a picture of him and you'll you'll understand the reverence. But anyways,
2: so. I feel like I'm being set up for something. Like, I'm going to Google <laughs> Dave Filoni. It's just going to be horrible to be like Googling like a, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just want I
1: you all to know that Dave Filoni's from Pittsburgh.
0: Oh.
2: Actually he said he's from Mount Lebanon,
1: which is where my therapist is. Oh. Is there but, a connection? Yeah, I, I well I think that he's dumped off all his crazy and I've picked it up. Oh okay. and, and that's that's I'm I am why he's successful. Because Good. he has wow. dumped all the negative parts of his brain out and
2: I get picked up and he gets this, to work with ours. Uh, This episode of of uh, The Avatar Returns is this is getting real. <laughs> this is a real episode, man. Yeah.
1: Given no actual episode content to talk about, we are getting into some of our our dark areas of our brain. AJ, you've already gone into getting whipped by a cartoon character. So sure.
2: Just lay it all on the line today.
0: <laughs> oh man. Alright, so let's find some good things to say about no, I, I, Northern I, Air I did, Temple.
2: I did like this episode. I, d- I definitely think it's better than uh than Bato. Mm. Um uh not obviously not as good as the deserter, but i, I liked it um i liked um a uh, teo mm-hmm. the the paraplegic glider
0: you know what is yeah. you know what's great about that character they that? they never like they never mention it yeah. there's the it's never called out yeah i mean the the his father says that he was in an accident. And basically that's it. Like no one ever, there's, there isn't, there isn't a meaningful exchange about how, you know, he can't use his legs, but he can still fly or whatever. They just don't make a big deal out of it. And it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. That's one of the, one of the better things about the, the episode was the relationships there. You now with his, with like, I like the idea, the setup and what was going on with those characters, which was,
0: which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another thing. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say another thing. I don't, I, I, I'm not 100% sure if I could say I lo- it's one of the things I like about this episode, but worth mentioning that um, I, I think it's a good thing every once in a while to be reminded, for the show to remind us, that the the world of Avatar The Last Airbender, it it draws inspiration from, from multiple sources. Um, uh, most obviously, the one I think we talk about the most is sort of the kung fu fantasy stories. Um, But here we're reminded that there are also steampunk elements going on. Yes. And uh, yeah, anyways, uh, you know, that that builds and pays off as the series goes.
2: I feel like it's gotten kind of like it's it's hit its saturation point. It's people kind of roll its eyes that 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 stuff now. But I really like the steampunk aesthetic. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: a great aesthetic. It's always been an aesthetic in, in search of an actual story. Mm-hmm. To actually use it. Like I feel like it's like a genre without a genre in a lot of ways. But when it shows up in things like this where it fits into the world, it's pretty great. And we actually get a lot of really cool stuff. Like the Fire Nation tank car things <laughs> which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And um here oh, we go. Oh yeah, those our...
2: tanks were awesome.
1: Yeah. They were great. And then we also get the introduction of war balloons, which is Yeah. Which I adore. I yeah. was glad. I didn't remember when those came in. And um and there is actually um, there is a thing, and I'm going to note it, and I only know about this because I read about it, but um, the machinist who is working on stuff for the Fire Nation, he is working on plans for something in his workshop at one point, and we will see the thing that he was working on at some point.
0: I'm <laughs> I'm sure I know what you're talking about, but uh, but it's not coming to me right now, so... <laughs> I'm intrigued. You've piqued I, my interest.
1: I would not have figured this out if I had not read it and reading re- reminding myself about the episode. But we will see um, something he's working on. Okay.
0: All right. Well, there's the obvious thing. The episode ends with, and I, you know, in a, what could be considered one of the lighter episodes. It's interesting that, you know, it has that the happy, the happily ever after ending where they're triumphant. They defend the temple. Um, although there's nothing stopping the Fire Nation from attacking again once Aang and, all, Aang and Katara leave, but, uh, you know, Sokka's like, yes, we have, we command the air, so we can always fight back. And then it immediately, you're like, yes, happy ending, roll credits. No, the last thing we see is that uh, the Fire Nation has gotten their hands on Sokka's modified war balloon. Which I totally love that because, you know, there's this idea
1: about technology and a lot of like genre stuff um, overall, where like, like, oh, the prototype is the most important thing, and once it's destroyed, there's nothing we can do or whatever. And mm-hmm. I like that, like, no, they found this shit, and they're going to be able to reverse engineer. It. These are not stupid people. That's right. Yeah.
2: So and uh, Zhao uh, the. I, I like what you said the, the, the cut to, to that scene was very effective and Zhao gets kind of a chilling final line especially because I feel like the endings to most of these episodes have been like the kind of thing where on an old sitcom like it would have like freeze-framed as everyone is like laughing <laughs> at yeah. roll credits um, and this one actually has a pretty chilling ending where he where he says this defeat is the gateway to many victories yeah that's, yes. uh, that's some dark shit you guys <laughs> yeah it happens it, it,
0: Y- Speaking call- of dark shit, can we comment on the uh, the Cthulhu version of the Flying Bison's god statue thing? Did anybody else catch that?
2: No. I didn't, and I wish I had now. That sounds incredible.
0: <laughs> In the, uh, so they when they go into the Northern Air Temple and Aang gets to see how they've, they've modified it which this is something we need to talk about in more detail. But one of the things, you know, he sees the murals that have been destroyed for all the steam pipes. And, and he sees like the, the fountain full of water that's all polluted or whatever. He also, at one point looks at uh, a statue and it's clearly a flying bison. I think it may have been part of the fountain. I think, you know, water came out of its mouth or something, but, uh, it was a flying bison like reared up and it might've been holding some things in it's in its paws. I don't remember, but it had like its entire head was covered with eyes. It wasn't just a regular flying bison.
2: Damn it. How did I miss that? I'm really upset with myself. <laughs> that.
0: Well, okay. We'll have to see if we can find a picture of that. Uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I loved that. I, I, you know, yeah. Cthulhu comes to the world of avatar. I loved it. That, that, so,
2: that's fantastic. So did,
0: did you all find the
1: sudden appearance of the Fire Nation like two thirds of the way through this episode, like out of nowhere? Yeah. It's like this whole, it's this whole like, like happy, like playful episode about like the Northern Air Temple and exploring, and there's like this whole subplot about like putting rotten egg smell in, in natural gas and all kinds of stuff, and then suddenly the Air, the Fire Nation just shows up and they're like, "Give us your plans," and he goes, "No," and then an army's on an armies there. Yeah. Like. This, is like, this feels like two episodes that they, like, crammed into. It kind and of and does, yeah. Which What's amazing, though, is that it feels like that while also feeling like this episode has no purpose whatsoever except war balloons.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think what comes out of this, and really it is... The tanks, man. It's the... the well,
2: <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Do we um, see those tanks again? We see...
0: I yeah. I can't remember if we see those exact tanks. We probably do. Oh, we probably oh, do. I, I want one. We see... <laughs> We see uh, all sorts of fun. Unlike like Commissioner
2: inventions. Gordon in uh, at the end of Batman Begins. I got to get me one of those. Which, by the way, if you're wondering, is still the worst line of dialogue in, in, in any Christopher. <laughs> so, I got to get me one of those. Because that really fits in with the, with the aesthetic there. Anyway, continuing. Moving on from Batman Begins. Yeah.
0: Furry hermit crabs, guys. Can we just talk about furry hermit crabs?
2: Wow. I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about, Paul. <laughs>
0: That's that's not true. We've proven that's not true. But anyways, all right. Moving as, on from that.
2: As a lover of puns, I really appreciated. I don't know the, the character's name, but like the the machinist dad. Um, I really appreciated his uh four o candle mm-hmm. crack. Yeah, yeah, Sokka
0: appreciated that too.
2: Me and Sokka, we 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 have a little bit in common. Yeah. This was another voice by
1: Renee Auber- Aubergeau. Aubergeau. Yeah. Yeah right. I mean, like so he just did two two characters. His other episode wasn't any good too, right?
0: Yeah, he was the Ganjin, the leader of the Ganjin in the in the Great Divide. In the
1: Great Divide, great. Okay, so there we go. Poor Renee Abernethy. <laughs> it's nothing but garbage episodes.
0: I think um, those are the only voices he does too. I, I don't think he does any other characters. What a
1: poor. No, he's gonna be back one more time. Well, oh, no, you're right. He 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 does. Yes,
2: he's he will be back, but as a character we've already seen. Right. You yes. know what's blowing my mind right now? Uh, Rene. I, I looked up Rene Abergelnois. Uh, played Father Mulcahy in the movie version of MASH. Yep. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That, that's that's kind <laughs> of. See,
0: I know him from uh the TV show Benson. Anybody else know Benson? I never I've actually watched Benson. Benson. Okay. Um. That that's a show that would never fly in today's climate, uh, and then of course also uh, from Deep Space Nine, he was Odo on Deep Space Nine.
1: Yeah, he was great as that, and now and now unfortunately he gets thrown the worst possible <laughs> episodes of Avatar. Yeah. No, not that yeah. bad. This was really an okay episode. I mean, it was it wasn't bad. It was, it was actually not. It wasn't the worst of the three, which was definitely Bato of the of the Water Tribe, but. This definitely felt like an episode that there was some stuff they wanted to do, and and this was obviously like planned as the bookend of the beginning of the series because we get two episodes and then Southern Air Temple, mm-hmm. and this leaves us with, while well, technically three, really two episodes after Northern Air Temple, we get the Waterbending Master and then the Siege of the North, which is a two-parter. So we we begin and end with two episodes. And a um, an air temple episode right, right. before that, so this is obviously intended for the symmetry of it, and I think it's cool to get to another air temple and a lot of really interesting ideas. But yeah, this one just didn't didn't stick for me.
0: Yeah, we um, spoiler alert, AJ, we have not seen the coolest air temple yet. I'll just, nice. I'll just leave it at that. Um, so let's talk about the well. Uh, all right, let's talk about the big fight that happens because there's some cool stuff that happens there. First of all, Nickelodeon ha- they had to have bombs filled with slime. I mean, it's right, a, right. it's a Nickelodeon show. But I feel like that was that was done well, especially when they managed to get the slime bombs inside the tanks and cover the people inside the tanks. Yeah. Um but I'm like the I think the coolest thing, the coolest moments for me out of the big fight um were well, AJ, you're right, it's the tanks, but like, um, when when Aang uses his little air scooter to cause an avalanche that wipes all those people, like, this is kind of a it feels like it's a sanitized, like Nickelodeon episode, maybe that's just because it's got the Nickelodeon slime, I don't know, but on the surface, it feels like kind of a sanitized, kid friendly episode, but he just created an avalanche and wiped dozens maybe hundreds of soldiers <laughs> off the side of a mountain yeah uh, in the end when they when they explode all the methane gas and uh you just see the chains dangling off the side of the mountain where all those tanks were used to be they're all crashed at the bottom of the mountain now so again yeah this is
1: this is the first the first time we get like a real battle and it's not going to be the last but I do think it says a sets a tone for the series, which is that they they don't have that G.I. Joe a thing explodes and people pop out with parachutes. Parachutes, kind yeah. Kind of thing. Like the battles do feel kinda of dangerous, even though they're on a Nickelodeon series. And right. that and I will say that it was probably a good idea to have Dave Filoni on this episode for that reason alone, since this is like by far the biggest scale battle we've seen. Yeah. So
2: far.
0: I, I was trying to th- I was trying to think, um, and, and I think you're right. This is the first time like uh, we've seen the Fire Nation Army because they ran the blockade in that one episode. But that was still um, just like our group, our small group against a larger force. Um, this is the first time where we've had two. I mean, Army is putting it too strongly, but two large groups of people against each other. Right. It's usually like one on one or two on two fighting. Right.
2: Anyways, I don't know if that's significant. But... <laughs> it was. It was honestly. It was a cool fight. Um.
0: What else? Okay, let's talk about the the. AJ, how did you feel about the end of the episode? So early in the episode, Aang is upset, and I feel like rightly so. I think he was justifiably upset uh, yeah. because he discovers that um, that you know, there's casual destruction of what's left of his people's heritage happening. Yes. And, um, I, I actually loved that stuff. I loved his response to that. I loved how so I. upset he got by it. And I felt like they didn't necessarily give it like it wasn't just brushed under the rug, at least initially. Cause the mechanist, I think is what they, I don't think they ever give him a name. I think it's just the mechanist. He, uh, you know, he explains his side of the story, and I don't know. It's, it felt like there was still conflict there. And at the end of the episode, basically, Aang has come to realize that okay, I mean, you guys have to live here and you have to do what you do. I mean, I understand what's going on here. I, and Eric, we know where the series as a whole is going, and then the ser- and Legend of Korra. Like we know that, the the progression of culture and society and technology is a theme that happens so this feels like something that had to be touched upon but to me it felt slightly uncomfortable by the end
2: hmm i don't know if i picked up on that i uh i do know that uh that whole uh subplot led to what i thought was a very questionable line of dialogue uh where the mechanist says uh, we're just in the process of improving what's already here isn't that what nature does to which Aang responds, nature knows when to stop. And my note was, does it? <laughs> does, it does it? I feel like nature, do, like by its by its very nature, nature does not know when to stop. It just keeps going. So, Aang, you have a lot to learn, young man.
1: I do think, I do think it's an interesting conflict at the heart of this because um, this is not a case where they're perverting even like an active culture. The air nomads have been completely wiped out for like 100 years. Right. At this point so you know there's not only are they not are they desecrating essentially like a a it's really a historical landmark at this point rather than like an active cultural center but there really isn't anyone left of the air tribe to even tell these people or anyone what their actual culture was so it's interesting because ang's anger is justified on one level but on another level there isn't anything left of the Air Tri- of the Air Nomads. They're, it's all gone. Like, this is not anyone's home anymore. This is a graveyard. So right. people coming in and making the most of it is not... It reads to Aang very differently, having gone to sleep and woken up and suddenly finding the world like this, than it would if you knew it was... If you were really understanding that it's been 100 years since anyone lived in any of these places.
0: Yeah. Ma- now, does the existence of ang does that complicate it the fact that the the air nomads actually are not all wiped out uh, maybe i mean i think it definitely
1: changes the equation a little bit but on the other hand it's not like ang can single-handedly populate a new tribe of air nomads right like ang is now a relic of a dying culture
0: right and then this i'm happy to say this is something that gets addressed as these shows continue it's not something we're just wondering about right now. We, we do touch on this again, but I don't know. I, I was so in love with the moments of this episode that dealt with, with Ang, like being upset that his culture was being wiped out. <laughs> um, I, I liked the back and forth there. And then again, I, it's kind of a theme with these three episodes. It doesn't ruin any of them for me, but I do feel like the ending of each one of these episodes it, with the exception of the, the war balloon thing but uh the ends did feel like they just kind of were rushed they happened really quickly we got to a happy point you know really fast and then we just move on
2: that's fair you're not wrong paul smith
0: okay thank you i just need that every once in a while aj just someone in my life every once in a while needs to say that
2: you can always count on, me, except for all the times you can
0: That's that's true. So true.
2: Wow, relying on AJ for that kind of support is <laughs> a
0: bad life choice. It's so sad. It speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. Right. Uh, did we have uh, any other thoughts? Anything else to say on these?
2: Um, not oh. again. Again, these were not these were not bad episodes. I didn't really care for the first one, but. they they were they were good especially the middle was was really good um but it's just not not a lot to say like these didn't really um thrill me i guess yeah mostly
1: i'm glad to be through them because now we're going to get into some real shit and i'm excited (laughs) to get some real shit
0: yes yeah um all right well there you go so aj are you going to continue watching you're not giving up right
2: no i'm done with the show all they they have lost me as a viewer I knew it was only. I will still continue appearing on this podcast. I just will not watch watch the
0: show. All right, that's fair. I got you. Okay, well, um, thank you guys for for helping me make sense of these three episodes. I appreciate you as always.
2: Anytime, Paul. I do what I can.
0: You you are my Appa and Momo. You can fight (laughs) amongst yourselves. I'll be Momo. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. You have a thing for lemurs. So, um, everybody at home, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as always, you can find links to this and all of our past episodes on our website. That's the Uh, links will also be posted on our parent shows site. That's gobbledygeekpodcast.com. Um, or just subscribe to the show on iTunes and every episode will be hand delivered to you personally by our flying email lemur, which we really should name is our email. Is our email lemur is his name, uh, monkey yahtzee is that his name yes okay it yeah. is now there we go <laughs> it's decided so uh please please feed the lemur please feed monkey yahtzee he needs he needs food uh drop us an email at tarpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com and of course you can always find us on social media you can like us on facebook for all of our updates or you can follow us on twitter the show is twitter.com slash tar podcast and on Twitter, I am at Haunt1013. Eric is at Salon. That's S-A-A-L-O-N. And AJ is at Unplugged Crazy. Uh, next week, as Eric alluded to, uh, we reach the end. We come to the end of Book 1 as we discuss Chapters 18 through 20, The Waterbending Master, The Siege of the North Part 1, and The Siege of the North Part 2. So until then, remember, at my age, there's really only one big surprise left, and I'd just assume leave it a mystery. You there my world. You were care for me You never the fields, I stand You the for me But you me okay. You dropped my bomb on me, Baby You dropped the bomb on me But you turned me up, okay. You dropped my bomb on me, Baby You dropped
2: the bomb on me. You were my friend